We were camping in the Andes, one of six families on a trip with a collective horde of 16 children. Each car ride, the kids switched vehicles. They often swapped their sun hats as well, and I didn't pay much attention to who scrambled into our car. Or I didn't unless they got too loud or did something that had to be stopped, as with the boy currently seated behind me who kept pressing his toes into the back of my seat. Lightning recap. In the glacier by Adrenobi, the ravages of capitalism mess up vacation plans. Attention, attention. You've got a little time, 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 time. Warning, warning. We've got a little podcast. Yes, yes. This is Short Story Short Podcast. We are coming to you today live, as neither of us have died, amazingly, and I feel like we should celebrate every day of life. Carpe diem! What should we read to celebrate life? To celebrate life and um, the, the extreme care that, that we as human beings, as stewards of the environment, uh, are, are always so dedicated in employing, we should read The Glacier by Indra Nobi. And this story hit home for me for a number of reasons. The biggest being when I was a kid, he said with quotation fingers, uh, we would go to Yosemite every year and there would be like seven or eight families and we would have kids and we would go back and forth between the cars and we wouldn't necessarily change sun hats because that's a sacred trust that we didn't want to spread lice. Uh, But this idea of the communal appreciation of nature was something that as soon as I started reading, it's like, yeah, this is like hitting the buttons of everything I remember in a way. And also, I feel like this deserves a push cart. I really do. Well, I've got some good news for you, Chris. (laughs) You do? I do. It did, in fact, win the push cart. Well, there you go. And I can honestly see why. It tackles a big topic, but it does it in a personal way that also deals with aspects of this idea of, do we just keep going? Even when we know the answer, do we just keep going because it's what we do? Yeah, I really like that particular interpretation of it. It feels it feels right. And I, I feel like that it makes it even more universal, that experience, because we've all had that moment of, should we keep going? Or, you know, we've all had it sometimes while driving up a mountain and starting to get a little nauseous and dizzy. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> yeah. <a> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, had an unfortunate incident, had to look up something on the phone while we were driving to our COVID shots, but the main road was close. We had to go a twisty mountain road uh, right by the former home of Robert Heinlein. And uh, uh, then, and I believe we were, we might've even gone by the former home of Alfred Hitchcock, the two famous people who've lived around here. And uh, I, uh, I lost my lunch and it was unfortunate. Uh. Um, I blame technology for everything. Well, yeah, as we as we should. 
but yes, this idea that um, sometimes we know it's hopeless and we, we keep going anyways, or we have disagreements as to whether we should keep going. Uh, I think that really speaks to something even you know broader than, than driving up a mountain. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a universal thing. And this is a piece of climate fiction, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not climate fiction in the way that, say, Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, work has been recently, or it's not necessarily catastrophic in aspect. It's more, I want to say, personal observant. And it's not until we start to see the little things that we sort of take for granted in life. This is something they do every year. It's, you know, the kids pile in, they go. It's not until it's something affects something like that, that we notice. And that actually, to me, is a very powerful message. It's that it's not just the big grand thing. You know, it's not just New York City under two feet of water. It's the little thing. It's not being able to get to the glacier. It's not being, uh, you know, it's not being able to enjoy the beauty of Yosemite because it's all burned down because there are so many goddamn fires in this world. And there was just one over here the other day. And I'm not ranting. But, <laughs> yeah. I also think there's this element of how time can change a landscape versus how man can change a landscape. Man mm-hmm. changes the landscape much more quickly. Uh, the, our protagonist here says that the last time they had been to the hot springs was 12 years ago. And think about the fact that this entire ecosystem has changed dramatically, or it barely even is an ecosystem anymore in just mm-hmm. a dozen years. That's not the speed with which nature works. And so you can kind of, without the author needing to really bring it up, you mm-hmm. can see that idea of, well, you know, if we had just let time and nature do their thing, everything would be exactly the same. But instead, we let man do his thing. And now it's now it's ruined. That's 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 right. That's and... what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this brought up, you know, I live in the mountains. Uh where we have had uh, logging has been a huge thing. And if you look at pictures from the uh, 1900s, about 1920, uh, pretty much where I live is clear cut. And it, the mountains are all bold. Now there are huge trees and wildlife and fires and hatred. Um, also <laughs> jerks who drive BMWs. Um, that might not be universal. Uh, but this, and if you look at places like, well, Coal country out yonder, like Centralia, Pennsylvania, my favorite city in the world, um, where you have, you know, the entire landscape has been changed by interactions uh, relatively quickly. Centralia took a while, 40 years, and it's still burning. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, a little closer to home right here in Johnstown, you can, you can think about, you know, uh, certain dams that were created by certain hunting clubs for millionaires and then not maintained at all, and then let all the water out after the storm, <laughs> and it killed a bunch of people. And, it, <laughs> you know, it, that, that is, again, uh, man's influence uh, here. I feel bad. Hashtag not all man. <laughs> humanity's, humanity's influence on nature. Uh, it, it, generally tends to be widely negative, I would say, 
we are just two sunshiny, happy people today. Well, you know, I think I lean into the hubris. Uh, that's sort of my thing. Um, I'm like Oedipus, but like really going for it. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go past. I'm going to go past it. Um, and I'm just kind of like bitter and angry. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's beautiful because that's what fiction like this should probably be doing to us. Especially with the state of everything today. I mean, as we record this, Pakistan is, is horribly, horribly flooding. Um, there are incredible droughts, just entire rivers and lakes growing up in, growing up? No, drying up in mm-hmm. like Europe and, and China and stuff. And it's just absolutely, we see the extreme effects that are going on right now. And it's getting harder and harder to deny and more and more likely that we will all, you know, perish in the water wars of 2034. Let's see, I'll be 60. I should be able to stockpile a large number of weapons and water. So I'll be fine. <clears throat> yeah, that's plenty of time to prepare. Yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I need to gather up like a... a of people who are useful to me like I need some medical people maybe a therapist you know uh <laughs> people who are good at the hunting people who are good at the gathering all that and then then I'll, I'll form my my little commune that is no way a cult just because we wear robes and yeah that's the plan yeah post-apocalyptic planning rarely includes mental health con- considerations and uh I'm glad that you're, you're thinking on that although we could very easily segue this into a better help uh, commercial uh, and then we'd be an actual podcast. Um, <laughs> Evan for friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the language here is crystal clear and sharp. It's not showy, which makes me happy because I like, while I do enjoy a good bit of logoria or whatever it is that says showy writing um i really think that one of the things that makes it possible for this to be so effective as to getting this story across of you know we end up turning everything into garbage on this planet is by the fact that it's a very clear very simply told completely continuously moving story even though it doesn't continuously move it always feels like you want to read the next thing and i love that yeah the story definitely does a really good job of pulling you along uh without being too handholdy so i appreciated that a lot uh as i was reading i was curious if we had any thoughts about the the vomiting incident with the small child. Do we think that's just altitude sickness or is there something else going on here being hinted at very lightly? I think it's interesting. I want to say it is likely to draw us in again by giving us something that's highly relatable. I think it actually serves more the story and drawing us in because who hasn't had a... Uh, I think, was he four? I thought it was one of the younger kids. Um, I'm not sure. I don't, we don't, well, I mean, the, 
they don't know all the kids' names, so they barely know all their ages. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say, I have a seven-year-old who has occasionally painted the back of my car seats, and uh, it's not pleasant. And so I think that now, yeah, you could say, you know, oh, it's possibly that there are fumes and such, maybe. But it definitely is something that I took. I just latched onto it as like, yep, would have happened at least once on that trip. And with 16 <laughs> kids, probably twice. <clears throat> Gosh, I really, really regret uh, having having no children. You're making, making <laughs> me uh, have some serious regrets here. I should have had a, a whole horde of little puke monsters. <laughs> I'll send you one. You'll, you'll like it. <laughs> Make sure to poke a few holes in the box. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like this story quite a bit. I think it is a great example of contemporary fiction that uses a very simple palette to paint a very powerful picture. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I also think that it addresses a problem, something that is becoming more and more like I said, impossible to ignore and, but without being preachy about it, which is a hard mm. line whenever you're dealing with like climate fiction or anything else that has been turned into uh, a matter of politics and public debate. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I believe you are correct. Yes, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Got anything else on this one there, Christy? Uh, no, but I did. Uh, this is one of the few times that I can name drop that I know the author because oh. I got to uh, speak with speak with her. Um, she's working on another novel and, and some uh, experiences I've had were, uh, I hope, helpful to her in informing some of her building of a character and, and working on the, the, out the plot and everything. So that was uh, we had a really great conversation. She's just really uh, insightful and very uh, kind kind woman so tell me it's about alien abduction yes and well i mean is the yeti an alien oh man now you got to bring in transdimensional creatures and just man it's cryptic corner (laughs) (laughs) speaking of which what should we read for next week uh, upon that excellent segue, well done, <laughs> sir. Uh, I do believe we should read The Eternal Cocktail Party of the Damned by Fonda Lee. And I am looking forward to it because I love cocktail parties. Oh, yeah, they're the best. I'm sure this cocktail party of, of the damned is going to be a fabulous time. Oh, it's just an ironic name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, until then, this has been Short Story. Short podcast.